Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hi, Scott. Hi, everybody. Live and listening after the fact. We're glad you're here. Um, and we we have our special guest here with us. We'll bring her on in a minute. Thank you to everybody who's watching live or joining us live. And certainly for those of you who, as Michelle said, are joining us later. Uh, please, just as a quick note, I always forget to say this at the end. Uh, for those of you who do listen to this on your favorite podcast platforms, like, share, subscribe to this because it helps us with our metrics and helps us grow the show as well. Um, so, Michelle, it is absolutely storming here today, pouring down rain. Uh, what's it like? What's it like there in Florida? Oh, beautiful blue skies, a little nippy, you know, in the high fifties, low sixties. But it's beautiful. So I'm I'm all wrapped up in my wrap. Um, but a beautiful blue sky, not a cloud in sight. Little wind. Perfect. So um, before before we jump into, I know what you want to chat about uh, yes. today. Uh, I do want to give everybody a heads up that uh, I don't think the show will be interrupted, but we are uh, currently awaiting uh, the birth of our granddaughter. And uh, my my wife is actually the, the birth doula for this. So mm, exciting. Um, so I, I'm kind of being kept up to speed. If you see me, see me a little distracted, it may be because, maybe because of that. Uh, the interesting thing, uh, and perhaps perhaps we'll get our our guest today to talk about it. Uh, both my wife and our eldest daughter have uh, listened to and been using some of the techniques from our guest's hypnobirthing product. Yay. And so I've been hearing I've been hearing things on the phone this morning like. Let your jaw drop. It's all gonna be okay. Relax. Pretend you're like a little lamb in the in the field. It's just as easy. It's like, what is all this stuff? Because I haven't I have not listened to the hypnobirthing mm -hmm. product. But mm -hmm. uh, so if I'm a little distracted, it's only because of that. Mm -hmm. um, so again, thank you. By the way, Michelle, for your well your happy birthday wishes last yeah. week, and for uh, the the birthday wishes that I got. It was a wonderfully. Uh, very low-key day and it's been a while since i've done a birthday like that talk about keeping your shit together yes uh, you know with us with us purposely isolating in order to allow my wife to go into the delivery room yeah um to to purposefully downplay everything yes. was so freeing i gotta tell you i was very i was very amazed that you know not the typical hoopla not the parties not going out not lots of people around just my wife and i having a very wonderful grateful that's my word right gratitude yeah. gratitude filled day it was really breathtaking <laughs> uh, that's so nice it's yeah. so nice i um 
with this latest Omicron surge, I'm really glad you were finding a way to disconnect. I noticed we needed to run errands and yes, I live in Florida and all politics aside, I am, I've been in healthcare, Brian, my partner's been in healthcare. We are mask wearing people. Okay. So we might be the only human beings wearing a mask in Florida, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I just don't want to get sick. I'm not, I'm not worried in terms of like my health or ability to survive it. I just don't really want to get sick. So I'm, I'm glad it's worked for you so far. And not only did you have a birthday last week, but today, if you know, we have an international audience, but in the United States, we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Day today, January 17th, when we're recording. And our special guest is going to talk to us about resilience, fostering resilience and affirmations. And you talk about a person and a group of people in the civil rights um movement that had to foster a lot of resilience. It is not easy being a, um, a, a Black American in, you know, in the U.S. I can't speak for other countries, but certainly it's a really cha chaotic and difficult experience. So I thought for any of you, uh, it, you know, those of you who are here live, you can tell that I'm Caucasian. I was also born in Canada. Um, so, but, you know, I, I'm obviously not Black, and despite being raised mostly in Southern California, a pretty diverse population, I still have to challenge myself to unlearn biases, unlearn to understand white privilege, to understand um, the things I take for granted. My first exposure being, oh, I, I went to a, a mixed uh, congregation as a young adult where we did anti-racism work every year. And one of my first kind of recognitions of white privilege was the fact that whenever I wear a Band-Aid, it was easy for me to find a Band-Aid that was the same color as me. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that's something I just took for granted. And then it went on and on from there. So I just thought there's a couple really great books out there. There's one called my Grandmother's Hands, which is about racialized trauma and the mending of our bodies and hearts by Resma Menachem. There's also Cast, uh, Origins of Our Disconnect by Isabel Wilkerson. There's um, one that's talked a lot about is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Ken Kendi. And um, I am not going to pronounce this person's first name correctly, but Tehasi Coates wrote a book for uh, called Between the World and Me, which was about being Black in the United States and how to help your children growing up in the United States. And then my last little tidbit, if you haven't read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson, which is about Black prisoners falsely imprisoned, particularly in the South, there's also a movie that was done about the book, which is also really, really enlightening and, and good to watch. So I just encourage you, if you are not a person of color or not, not a Black person listening to this podcast, that you really dedicate yourself to unpacking some of those sort of racist policies that we have, particularly in the United States. Well, that's my, it's, it's not an upper, it's definitely a no, really it, serious you know, subject it, 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 it's to not talk about, it's, but. It's not, it's not that it's an upper or a downer, it's, we, there are things with we, with, you know, being part of humanity, 
-hmm. we're going to have to get to the point, in my opinion, where everybody at some point learns we can have different opinions, we, but we've got to embrace the fact that it's cultural diversity. And since you, you know, you brought up those books, mm -hmm. you know, I've talked before about some of the anti-Semitism that I saw growing Absolutely. up. I, I grew up here in California, in California, and I grew up in, in a very, you know, non-discriminatory household for a variety of reasons. Uh, and yet it was a real eye-opener for me when I had my law firm. Uh, I, I still remember periodically, I mean, we had people from all over and all various backgrounds and ethnic origins and, and the like. And there was a, he, he used the term black. I still am uncertain whether it's African-American now or black. He called himself black, mm -hmm. a black attorney that worked for me. And he was having a down day and I actually brought him into my office and we were chatting and I said, what's going on? And he mm. said, I, I, he said, I just got pulled over again. I yeah. now in my head, I don't even think of this. He's an attorney. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and here's the, here's the most ironic part. He's an attorney and we represent public agencies. <laughs> we yeah. represent cops and firefighters and judges and prosecutors. And I said, what do you mean you got pulled over again? He says, I just, I've gotten used to it. I don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. He said, but I got pulled over. Now, by the way, he drove a Mercedes, nice Mercedes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I it said, wasn't, he was in a jalopy with, Oh, you're re you ready for this? What? The you last stole the car. <laughs> what are you doing in this car? Is it yours? Uh, and you know, that it's, it's little things like that. I remember uh, oh. after nine 11, uh, a number of the Hispanic uh, people working in my office, were really scared to go out because they were being mislabeled yes, as as Muslim as, or Middle Eastern. As, yeah, mm -hmm. and I and it and it you know these are the kinds of things that I don't have happen. We take to for me. granted. We yeah. do, and so maybe if everybody is just a little more sensitive to the fact that you know there mm -hmm. there been there's been bad stuff that happens all the way around. You know, I've mm -hmm. I, I think you've heard at least I've talked to a few people, I've been watching Yellowstone and watching uh, the hidden, not the hidden, the underlying messages in there about how badly mm. the Native Americans were treated. And yeah. um, I've talked before about some of my wife's family is uh, Creek Indian out of Florida. And, you know, you hear about all of this stuff, it, you know, that's one thing to mm. hear about it and maybe learn about it in school, depending on what school you go to. Um, it's another thing to it. actually see this stuff and live it, experience and, it. And you know, mm. I I do remember <laughs> driving. Uh, we went on a road trip, mm -hmm. driving from Alabama, Alabama, to um, uh, Elvis's birth site, and then we went on to a few other places. Driving through the Deep South and yeah. seeing in America poverty that I didn't know existed. Yeah. And th these were not people that looked like me living in abject poverty. Right. And I just right, find right. it, I, I, I find it inexcusable, frankly. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we don't talk a lot about ways during the show for people to be part of the solution instead of being part of the problem. But right, I really right. do, you know, it's, it's what a great day for everybody to sit there and revisit the I have a dream speech. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe you ask yourself, what is mm -hmm. your dream? 
how are you going to make a difference? And right. you know, with my individual coaching clients, one of the things that I really push with them is, what do you stand for? What mm -hmm. do you stand against? What mm -hmm. are your lines in the sand? And are you making the world a better place? Or are you adding to the angst and the drama and the conflict? Mm -hmm. we, we've been watching also on Netflix, the murder of Malcolm X, which is about a lot of conspiracy and covering up and, and wrongfully imprisoning some, some people who were later exonerated um, and not involved in the shooting. But the autobiography of Malcolm X was like a high school read for me. And I, it's still on my bookshelf. Like my bookshelf's very integrated and that can be a great litmus test. It's like, take a look at your bookshelf or if you have it all on Kindle, what's your library like? Like, do you, do you have diverse authors from diverse perspectives? And, you know, our guest today is international. So I can also say like, do you also get perspective from people from other countries? Because it's, it's, that also is a level of diversity that we take for granted and assume others are like us and you and I being American, you know, we probably make a lot of false assumptions, but, but thankfully our guest today has hung in as a regular listener and feed gives us good feedback um, despite us being Americanized over here. Well, with, with that, if you don't mind, <laughs> if you don't mind, I'm going to introduce our guest. I don't, uh, so we can, so we can jump right in here. Mm -hmm. um, we are jo joined today by Christine Phillip. And I, I love this lady. She is uh, overseas. Well, you'll, you might hear, she, she didn't have an accent before she came on the show today. Uh, <laughs> but you, you will hear, you will hear her. We have some good uh, times outside this show. Uh, Christine was born in Berlin, Germany. I'm actually going through her bio right now on her website. And by the way, before I forget anything else, you can get to Christine uh, through happinesscoding.com. It's that mm -hmm. simple. And you deserve no less than to go visit it. Uh, mm -hmm. Great Christine, stuff on that website. Christine is, a licensed, Christine is a licensed <laughs> control presenter. Uh, she has her professional hypnotherapy diploma. She is a certified hypnotherapist. Uh, she and I actually went to the same uh, hypnosis academy, mm. uh, although different years. Uh, so she, she's uh, got that certification. Slightly younger. Yeah, slightly younger. She's a certified, <laughs> she's a certified non-medical mental health practitioner. Uh, let's see what else she's got on there. A consulting hypnotist through the National Guild of Hypnotists. She is a certified hypnosis coach. Uh, and I, I'm going to add to this, she's also got this wonderful hypnobirthing product, which again, we, we can talk about later on. Uh, yes. She is an NLP master practitioner. She is trained in hypnotherapy, as you've heard, but also medical hypnosis. She's trained in eye movement, desensitization. Oh, I can't even say it. Desensitization De reprogramming, EMDR. Ooh, Thank you. That one. Oh my goodness. Can't get it out. Uh. Um, and then she's trained in psychological counseling and psychotherapy. And she's got her life coaching business and I could go on and on. Uh, wonderful woman with that. Christine Phillip, welcome to the show. Thank you. Scott uh, and Michelle, thank you very much for inviting uh, me here to the Resilience Show. That's, yeah. And so we're <laughs> keeping your shit together, right? That's right. So this all came about, and I'm going to give a little bit of background. Uh, we've been 
attempting to get Christine on their show for begging. quite a while, begging, begging Christine to be on their show <laughs> because, because of all the variety of things that she brings to it. And I really urge everybody go to happinesscoding.com and you will see all the things that are available on there, including um, free resources. Uh, yeah, put and, your and, email in there and get um, her free resources. I highly yeah. recommend it. And then have a YouTube channel. And she's yes, got a YouTube channel now. So it, it, it was actually <laughs> the last the last couple of video releases that really got us to wanting Christine on the show. Not that anything else was not what we wanted, but this tied right in with what we were talking about. And it started with this whole concept of resilience. And I think, as everybody knows, resilience, for me at least, is the ability to recover quickly from a challenging, difficult, problematic situation. And we've talked before, you know, we've done our shows about pretending you have water on your back like you're a duck and shaking it off. Uh, and, and then there's Christine, who takes it to a whole nother level. So, Christine, what is it? What does resilience mean for you? I would say already, I would argue with the quickly part <laughs> of, <laughs> because I don't think that resilience is, is a time of deadlines or it, deadlines matter or the, the mm -hmm. faster we get over something, the better it is. I think resilience is just in, in general, a description of the capacity to handle difficulties, uh, difficult situations and to recover in general from the storms of life. You know, mm -hmm. somebody, somebody, uh, I don't remember who that was. I was hearing a beautiful description of resilience, which she called the immune system of the soul. Oh, I, I love think. that. Yes. How wonderful too. is that? It's really, really beautiful. Yeah, I thought so too, because that's what we neglect. I think most of the time, physically, we do a lot of things. Well, most of us, <laughs> I don't necessarily, <laughs> but we often forget the mental part of us, our mental well-being, our mental health, mm -hmm. how we feel. You know, we, we have often the tendency to ignore how we feel mm -hmm. and neglect how we feel. And I believe what makes a good resilience or part of a good resilience is that we allow ourselves to feel, you know, that we accept us as a complete whole human being with all the emotions that we can feel, you know, and not just part of them, you know, the, the nice ones. We're you more than that. You, you bring up an interesting word and I've used it often. And it's very interesting hearing you use this word. And I'm going to now push back at you because I, and it's, and it's the word allow. You're a hypnotherapist, you're an NLP practitioner, we, you know, as fellow hypnotists, we, we kind of like to think we're allowing the client to go through and be guided. But when you say allow yourself to do all these things in order to be resilient, mm. what do you mean by allow? How, how does someone for our listeners, how do they do that? How do they get out of their own thinking and just allow themselves to experience what we're talking about today. I think it's it's by just accepting first of all that that you're a human being, you know, that you oh, are Oh, that. Damn it. Is it like yeah, duh. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with 
negative emotions or something they perceive as negative emotions often. I think that every emotion has a purpose. And mm -hmm. if, if it wouldn't have a purpose, why would we feel anything? I think mm -hmm. we should really worry about our mental health when we're just numb. When we don't experience anything, when we don't feel anything. Mm. So a lot of people, I think, in today's society try to not feel much, you know, mm. and I think this can be very dangerous. It's, this can lead to depression. This can lead to anxiety. This can lead to burnout, addiction, eating disorders, you name it. You know, there's always this need to control everything and not mm -hmm. to let go and allow yourself to feel. And mm -hmm. I think in our darkest times, I mean, we've, we've all been through really dark periods of our life, right? Mm -hmm. We have experienced grief and, and, you know, which I think is one of the most overwhelming experiences we can have. Mm -hmm. And I think when when this is a shock to the system when it arrives you know even if it's kind of expected when something like that happens when it actually happens it's a shock and we need time to recover from that shock you know a lot of people do not grieve for example at all mm -hmm. which can end really bad you know i think mm -hmm. there it starts to recognize like hey at the moment i'm really weak i'm I'm, I'm feeling low, I'm feeling destroyed, I'm feeling sad. And I think even, you know, times of when we fall into the self-pity trap, you know, even this can be okay for a while. It is the resilience part of it comes when we, at the certain point in time, move beyond that. You know, there's this, this story of the elephant or for some people it's a horse or whatever. The elephant who is captive or kept captive all his life uh, with his foot bound on a chair with a, with a rope and he can't recognize at a certain point in time that he can just raise up his leg and yeah. be free and move. He learned to be helpless you know mm -hmm. and this is very dangerous it's a very dangerous state to be in it's like being the victim you know not recognizing that you have the power to change something about the way you feel so is something that you do and and i, I want to interrupt you here because i think this yeah. is really important for particularly a lot of the audience that listens to us and we've got a lot of people in the entertainment industry mm. who listen to this show on on replays and i mean it I don't think it's a shock to anybody, Michelle, you and you, I think mm -hmm. you'll agree. Most of our creatives who listen to this show, most of the people who are, who live in their imagination a great deal of the time uh, have massive highs and massive lows, yeah. uh, which is what allows them to entertain to begin with. But mm -hmm. you want to talk about people who go dark and twisty. Mm -hmm. um, and so what I'm hearing you say, Christine, mm -hmm. is that it's not, flatlining those up highs and lows it's helping those types of people to accept and then allow those emotions to work through them without letting them define them exactly that's what i'm saying 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. on point, Scott. Let's well, no, the, 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 the reason I say that is because you yeah. also brought up something, and I'm, I'm really curious how you and your private practice, because um, mm. you know if people should know this, Christine does private coaching with folks uh, internationally. You can, uh, I, I connect with her by Zoom because we're not even in the same time zone. And, <laughs> and you know, the, the reality is there's so much imprinting or crap that we bring with us, the baggage we bring with us. Do you happen, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Do you have a particularly favorite approach to helping people put their baggage down? Mm-hmm. Hypnosis, hypnosis, hypnosis. <laughs> well, I, it's, okay. So what, what do you find hypnosis to, what do you find for people who are unfamiliar with the technique? They hear about it. They watch it on the movies. They see all these bizarre stage hypnotists oh, making no. people, you know, quack like ducks and do strange things to chairs. Um, you know, <laughs> that's not what you and I learned, certainly, because I know what I know the training you went through. Unless the client wants that. Well, that's a whole different issue, but then it's therapeutic. Uh, you know, the, the real, what, what do you believe hypnosis will do to aid in the acceptance and allowance part of this? Well, I think ultimately my job, my person, well, the way I see my job is to be empowering to the clients, you know, um, I, when I find them, at a certain point in their life, they're usually not feeling really well. You know? mm-hmm. They're going through a crisis. They, they feel insecure. They doubt themselves. I work especially with anxiety clients and stuff like that. So they are in a bad place. And I mm-hmm. define the function of my job to get them to a much better place inside of themselves. Hypnosis helps very, very much is very effective and very fast working tool to achieve this because it's actually uh, as if as, as if we are guiding the other person mm-hmm. to a discovery to discover to the discovery how powerful they are and they are actually the ones that are in control of the way they feel think and behave and they can change something about it and here I'm going back to the resilience topic mm-hmm. that we are started off because mm-hmm. this is part of resilience. You know, we are teaching them basically to be more resilient and empowered and strong because um, and self-aware. Self-awareness, I think, is very important to become a little bit better at to know how you're feeling when you're feeling something. What what is it that you're experiencing? Where do you experience it? You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people stay very vague. Oh, I feel shit today. You know, yeah, but what the hell does that mean? You know, Mm -hmm. it can mean so many different things. And then they go on the discovery of actually, yeah, what is it actually that I'm feeling? Am I sad or am I angry? Often they discover they are more angry than sad, although they thought they might rather feel sad and stuff like that. It's very, very interesting. So self-awareness is the realization or the, the discovery, the exploration of how do I experience myself right now? Mm. What am I feeling? And when we notice how we feel, we have the choice. We can change something about it if we want to, or 
maybe not now, maybe later, and that's okay too. But when we are noticing that we are changing something about it, we are able to change something about it, then we develop more trust in ourselves and more confidence. And when we are more confident, we are more in control. And when we are more in control, we feel more calm, more peaceful, right? Resilient. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it's easier to go through difficult times when you mm -hmm. actually know you can handle it. So, so one, of the, one of the things that I, I've always I loved, and I can't tell you who said it, but doing my own research on resilience and how to help people bounce back was the wonderful little discussion that somebody was having that resilience, what resilience is not and what resilience is. Hmm. And I wonder how, if you agree with this, Christine, the, the comment was that resilience is not like being on a trampoline. It is not jumping up and down constantly and, mm. and bouncing. Resilience, it, resilience is like walking up the path of a mountain and eventually you get to the top and look back and you say, God, look how far I, I did it. Exactly. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And I think this is a great tip for all of us sometimes to do mm -hmm. uh, that we have a look at the past, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, not being stuck in the past, but have yeah. a look at all the things that we have achieved, that we have managed, that we have been through, and we're still here. Mm -hmm. right? And we are learning along the way. And sometimes, the worst things can even have a positive turnout. We can't necessarily see that in that moment, and it's not necessary to do that. But mm -hmm. in retrospect, we often can see like, oh, yeah, look, if that wouldn't have happened, then I wouldn't be here now. Then I wouldn't be that person that I am now. Then I wouldn't have come that far. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it helps to list all the things, the small ones and the big achievements that that we have actually managed to do, you know, mm. it helps us to remember. I, I'm going to share with everybody a, a quick quote, if you don't mind, Michelle, before you, you jump in here. And it's from Steve Jobs. Um, and that's it, it, many of you will remember this from one of his graduation speeches. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Yes. Mm. And I'm so, sorry, Michelle, I started to cut you off. But go, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So let's say somebody's got uh, an annual review with their boss this afternoon or a social event and they haven't been socializing and they're scared or they uh, are afraid of small spaces and about to have to face an elevator or a plane or something like that. And that's coming right away. Or, or they're going to perform. They're going to perform because we have a lot of performers, right? So just they've got something big coming. They're anxious. They're not necessarily facing an actual crisis or trauma you know, like it's, it's not necessarily a life or death war situation. What, how, how could you help them find resilience? Would that just be looking back at all the other times they've faced that stuff and gotten through it? Would there be more? 
Well, but I mean, that is a good uh, possibility to do, of course, you know, mm-hmm. we have been all, I think, through things where we thought like, oh, I never, I never get to go through that one, <laughs> you know, driving, driver's license, uh-huh. school, exams, you name it. That's and true. we, we went through this, mm-hmm. even though we were fearful and scared before. And I think there it comes again, the, the acceptance part of it. You feel anxious right now. You know yeah. what? It's absolutely normal. And it's absolutely fine to feel this way right now. To really, to really allow that one in, that gives a little bit more peace. And you know what? When you talk about performing mm-hmm. in front of the audience, I got asked the dream question. When you really explore that in your mind and you really feel that question, there can only be one answer. And this is a huge release, I can mm-hmm. tell you. It's one of my, one of my trainers uh, who asked me this question. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay, here it comes. Are you willing to suck at this? Ooh. Are you willing Are you to willing- suck at this? Yes. Are you willing to mess it up? Are you willing to make a mistake to mess it up? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I to think get when scared, you, to get nervous, to panic a little. Yeah, and to, mm-hmm. to just not function. Are you mm-hmm. willing to have that experience of in that moment not to be able to function? Are you mm-hmm. willing to have that? Because if your answer, when you really think about it, can be yes, what are you afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, you can directly think like, yeah, <sighs> <sighs> exactly. What's the worst that can happen? Right. right. But, and this kind of brings up, and I, I we, we've danced around the concept mm-hmm. of a support system. But, you know, this is where, again, using the metaphor of performing, you know, an actor comes in, they have to trust that their director will help them through the scene and let them know where they're going and tell them if they look like an idiot or they've got a stylist <laughs> who says you've got a hair on your your shirt or there's something dripping out of your pore on your nose or whatever it is, right? <laughs> um, how, how much, Christine, do you believe having a mentor, a guide, a coach is important in building resilience? I think that this is one of the most important things to have, you know, I think every coach has a coach (laughs) (laughs) or, or, and mentor, you know, I I think support, getting support, asking for support, that's already very confident and resilient to do. You know, a lot of people shy away from that because, you know, they can handle everything themselves. They are perfect. Right. But to actually ask for support from somebody professional, and who has a look from the distance and who can, you know, really strengthen your back. I think this is gold. This is priceless. And we should all do that. <laughs> I yes. have one. I do too. Mm-hmm. I do too. Yeah. Many, many mentors and coaches. <laughs> well, I think, I think we all do. I think we all do. I mean, it, it, well, I shouldn't say we all do. I think those of us on the show right now all have them. And um, I, I'm curious, Christine, then what is, 
what if someone's listening to the show and they want to come to someone like you, for mm. example, what should they be looking for? And I'm going to call you a resilience coach, coach right now. But what should they be looking? <laughs> what should they be looking for so that they know they can set aside this need to control and this fear of saying I need help? And they say, you know, this someone like Christine is right for me. If how would you answer that? I think what is for me personally very important is that the person I'm working with or that comes to see me feels safe immediately. You know, they feel safe, they feel comfortable. I don't judge them. There's nothing to judge. You know, they are a person of value, you know, and I take them as such. And I think when, when a person feels heard and understood and you can listen to them, what they say and how they feel and all of that. This gives a person already so much peace and release. And I think this is important. And people should look for, for this connection when they are looking for a coach in the first place. Of course, what happens after is then the work they do together. But when they feel like maybe sometimes even like coming home or having a coffee with a best friend, you know, or something like that, when it feels just right to be with that other person, then I think you're at a good place, you know, to start I mean, with. I, I, I'm probably going to violate every ethical guideline uh -oh. of a therapist. You? No, no, no. I'm, when I sit, when I suggest, when I tell you, you know, when I work with my mentors and guides, the people that, that I, frankly, even my, my clients, I'm friends with them. As a matter of fact, I, I remember telling one coach, I feel like I'm paying money to, to I'm paying for a hang friend. Hang out with my friend. To hang out with my friend. Um, and, it's, and it's like, I have literally had coaching sessions where I haven't even known what to talk about. I just want to be with them. I just want to have, <laughs> and, and, it's on, and it's on Zoom, right? And so- I, I don't know, Michelle, that's when I say I'm going to violate everything, because I think that there's a there's a tendency, I'm guessing here, because I, I don't live in the world of therapy, I'm guessing yes. there's a tendency to not want to get too close to the client, the client not want to get too close to the therapist. And there's this, this disconnect. Is that true? Uh, yes, no. So a therapist is not a friend because the kinds of conversations we have in therapy can't be had at a coffee shop. You don't want to be overheard usually when you're having the kind of conversation with the therapist. Um, I often am probably another title for a therapist is a secret keeper and a secret acceptor that I can, I can love and care for the people that come and work for me despite their deepest, darkest secrets. Um, so for instance, the difference between what I, what I tell clients, there's many of my clients that had we met in a different arena, I would love to be their friend, but once you're a therapist, you're kind of always a therapist. That, that is a difference between a coach and a, and a therapist, because I want people to come to me to, to work through whatever that mental health concern is, or that relational concern is. They go on their merry way and live a beautiful, lovely life. They come back to me if a new problem comes. We work through that. They go on. They live through there. So I actually have a client now who I've seen at 
four different times in the client's life because uh, the crises have changed as the developmental milestones. Now, if I met this person in real life, I would love to be their friend. They're a really cool. I, in order to be effective as a therapist, I have to like and believe in my client's abilities. But there's this fine line. I'm not going to go to the baby shower. I'm not going to hang up because there's a power dynamic in therapy. We don't reveal about ourselves in the same way that I do when I'm in a coaching. I am very cautious about revealing mm-hmm. things. So even, even telling my clients that I'm doing this podcast sometimes throws me because if they listen and then they reference something I've shared, I get a little thrown and I'm like, how did you, how did you know that about me or whatever? Cause I'm so much more a whole person in, in the podcast, right. but they, I, I feel like as a therapist, if I'm talking, teaching is different, but if I'm talking more than two or three minutes in a segment, in a session, I'm taking my client's time when I'm teaching them a skill, that's, that's a different kind of talking. But if I'm talking about myself for more than two to three minutes, it better be with a purpose to teach. They are not there to hear my problems. So, so it is a little different, you know, and I know coaches also are cautious of not making the session about them, but that is drilled home in you as a therapist. It's, it's an ethical power dynamic. Our clients always know less about us than we know about them. And that is a power dynamic. And Christine, Christine, how do you handle what's your approach to working with clients? Well, I'm not working as a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's good reason. Like, I yeah. kind of like working as a coach. <laughs> yes. But I also have to say, I also have to say, uh, it was for a very long time quite challenging for me because, you know, there are people that I come to see me and, you know, you fall in love with them. Yes, you you want to be free. <laughs> you do, right? And, and, there was sometimes like, oh, no, I can't. I can't be their friends. <laughs> but it happened lately. It happened that I thought like, you know what? I'm not a therapist. We're done working. This person yes. is good. Yes. You know, we're not anymore in a work um, environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's have some champagne together, shall we? Yes. <laughs> and if I did that with somebody, because you are allowed in, in therapy, yeah. if some time has passed since the work's been done, but if yeah. I did that, and then suddenly that person needed a therapist, I would then need to refer them to someone else because mm. I've lost my impartiality. And that mm. would be a big difference. Yeah. Like and Scott, I, I could never be your therapist, can be your friend but could never be your therapist. <laughs> right. So, so, uh, so Chris, Christine, um, in, in the minutes that we have left, what, what would you say the biggest takeaways you want our audience to have when it comes to resilience? And, and I don't want to forget about the affirmation, affirmation part of it. Well, so we'll still touch on that in a minute, but you know, like maybe take two, three, four minutes. And what are the big things you want somebody listening to the show to contemplate about resilience? I think one thing is to remember that we are already resilient. You know, mm-hmm. we forget that sometimes, you know. <laughs> uh, we for- forget that every day we wake up, we have no idea what the day brings. We are facing the unexpected every single day. And we just don't think about it. 
You know, that's how resilient we are. We just go through the day and handle the things as they are coming. You know, mm-hmm. that is resilience. And we neglect that because it's not the big thing. It's not, you know, we just do it. So there it's already, I think, important to know you're already not a helpless, powerless victim. You're resilient every single day. And when really something bad happens, like it does from time to time, that can really shake us to the core, then it's okay to feel that way mm-hmm. for a while, but then at a certain point in time to move out of this. What helps is asking for support, for example, remembering making a list with all the things that you have been through already, mm-hmm. you know, optimism, optimism in the sense that you know that this is not forever, no matter how bad it is right now, Mm -hmm. this is not the rest of your life. Things change all the time. Every day, every second, every minute, the hair is changing, the skin is changing, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh (laughs) Everything is in constant change, you know? And so this too is just temporary. And you will come out of this, not as the old you, but as a new you with an old core, with, with you being you, but with mm-hmm. new skills, new qualities, new strength. Mm-hmm. I think this is extremely important always to kind of keep it in the back of the mind, you know? There's, it's hope, basically, hope. Absolutely hope brilliant. Powerful. Yeah. So, so let go ahead. I think, excuse me, I think one of the most, I almost forgot it, one of the most important things to be really compassionate with yourself. I think Mm -hmm. this is part of resilience as well, compassionate and grateful. And we tend to forget Mm -hmm. this too often. I I think that's, that's lovely. I do want to touch on in maybe take five minutes and touch on your approach to affirmations and this book that you have out. If you could just tell everybody about that. Yes, I have this little free book on my website, ready to download. It's positive affirmations uh, for healthy self-esteem and confidence. And, um, you know, affirmations. What is affirmations? You know, (laughs) we hear so much about it. Mm -hmm. And I was never a person being very keen on using affirmations. They always seem to be so outlandish and so... (laughs) Absolute, absolute stuck statements. I am perfect. I am amazing. You know, I have everything together. (laughs) Well, I know, my mind knows, hell, that's not true. You know, (laughs) you did this wrong. You did that wrong. Here you made a mistake. You failed there. All of that stuff, you know, because we grow up learning things in our early years. It's happening all at that time in the early years. We are learning certain things, we are absorbing. And a lot of people grow up learning for some reason, for example, they are not good enough, or they they are just stupid, or they fail all the time at everything. This sinks into the subconscious mind and can be really like a stubborn, uh, stuck belief that you carry and drag through life, maybe sometimes even forever. There you have already affirmations, 
and that's why they work so well, <laughs> affirmations you believe. It's basically thoughts and the way how we talk uh, about ourselves to ourselves, you know, necessarily not always in the most positive way, more likely in the negative way. So positive affirmations are there to help you to change the self-talk you're having with yourself, you know, to an invitation to change the beliefs you have about yourself and to make yourself feeling much better about yourself. But here comes the thing. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think when you tell your mind, and I know that from so many clients and also from myself, I mean, who didn't stick sticky notes on the fridge, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, the lipstick thing, I am good enough. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's not working because we are trying to say, change something consciously, which is stored in the subconscious mind. That's mm -hmm. why it's so difficult to change it consciously. Because, you know, the belief I'm not good enough is more powerful still. As a hypnotist, we're working, of course, with that part of everybody, you know, with the subconscious part and establish a communication to ask them to change something. And so when we use affirmations, what I find personally more helpful to make it stick is to make the, statesman, the statements more open to give yourself the possibility of growth, um, to talk lovingly to yourself, you know, accepting also, again, accepting, um, compassionate, congruent, and make it achievable and realistic. I am a millionaire and the money flows to me like, I don't know what, <laughs> doesn't do much. And if it does, I want to know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but a more appropriate an affirmation could be like something that is yeah for example know? i mean it's it's when i say for example i'm perfect the way i am that's an absolute statement my mind goes no you're not <laughs> right <laughs> i don't believe mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. but when i say I'm perfect right now as I am with all my imperfections, with all my flaws. I, I do the best I can in any given context every day. This is a much different statement saying kind of the same thing, but more open, you know, you have, you, you have more space to allow interpretations of it. You know, you're, you're not perfect but you're absolutely excellent the way you are right now. And you can still do better. You can still improve and learn and grow. That's a, that's a more positive way of making affirmations work in my personal opinion. I don't know how you see it. How do you see it? Mm, I really like that way because one of the affirmations that I that I do like that I learned from Scott is every day in every way I'm getting better and better yes right yeah right because it, it allows for the fact that I'm not perfect but I do also like to you know I love myself as I am with all my flaws and all my goodness right so I like that balance kind of an affirmation exactly and, and by so the way 
for those of you who've heard Michelle and I talk about EFT or tapping or some of these other acupressure mm-hmm. discussions, you know, part of the EFT concept is even though whatever your negative yeah. thing is, even though whatever else is happening, I completely love and accept myself. Exactly. Um, and so you, you can, I also am using a lot of affirmations with, with folks that talk about aspirations I aspire to, or you can move down to just for today. You don't yeah. have to make it this blanket for the rest of my life. This is what's going to happen. Right. Um, you know, I've always loved the one myself. You wake up in the morning, you do your whole gratitude thing, but you know, it's, um, you can do the, the, the whole ho'oponopono of just mm-hmm. gratitude. I love you to, I am whole. I am well, I'm full of love and light and laughter. And it's just as simple as that. Yeah. I jokingly tell some of my clients, tell me what you think about this. I say like, when I do affirmation work, I'm not asking you bad language warning. I'm not asking you to put sugar on a pile of shit and call it a brownie. Okay. (laughs) 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 There's gotta be some truth in the affirmation, right? Mm -hmm. But what I will say is I don't care if I ask you, do, do you like you? And you're worried. I, I want you to repeat. I like myself multiple times. And then sooner or later they begin, or I love myself. I love you. And they say it to themselves. Right. And sooner or later, I actually hear them say, I've gotten used to this one, Michelle, but this one over here, I'm still working on. It's amazing how repeating affirmations reprograms like hypnosis, it rescripts the brain. Yeah, indeed. Because the brain learns with repetition you know, but it is always a lot of willpower, a lot of work and a a long time. Yeah. How long have you been saying I hate myself or I don't like me? Yeah. Yeah. But with hypnosis, for example, you can change things much faster. more faster. Yeah. Yes, you can. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And, and it, you know, just to kind of sum this up, that the whole concept for me, the whole reason that hypnosis and frankly NLP work is that it allows us to bypass the critical part of your brain that goes, that's not, that's, You're not, that's not true. That, that, that you know, th- this is, <laughs> this is where you're polishing to, to use another uh, metaphor since Michelle brought it up. You can't say that. You're just polishing a turd. Right. Yes. You're you can you polish a, a lipstick. Yeah. You can, <laughs> or you lipstick can, on a pig. Sorry. <laughs> ex- exactly. It's, you know, what, what is it they say? Don't try to teach a pig to dance. You'll only upset the pig and waste your time. That's right. um, and, and, you know, I love when the client comes in and they've spent 30 years berating themselves, putting themselves down. They've got all this negative self-talk or they're looking for all the outside validation yeah. and they, and they want a fix it suggestion, an affirmation yeah. that fixes everything in 30 seconds. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, we can give you the tool set. That doesn't mean because I but hand you a hammer, that doesn't mean that I hand you a hammer. You're going to be really good at using it. We got to practice doing that. Practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this time flew by and we, we, are, we, we are out of Indeed. time. I, I want to, <laughs> I, I want to encourage everybody to go take a look at Christine and what she has to offer and particularly the free resources. You can find Christine at happinesscoding.com. So how appropriate is that? Uh, Christine, I hope, I hope you will reconsider. Thank you for joining. I, I hope you will consider uh, joining us again because I think there's a lot more that we can chat about. And I think it's very valuable for the, for the people listening to us to be able to have access to people like you, particularly, uh, you know, we've got an international audience. Uh, Michelle, anything that you want to 
add here? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Christine. Yeah. Um, thank you, Scott and Michelle, for having baking, me. Baking works. So it's actually it's, it's actually <laughs> it's, act, it's it's actually even, <laughs> evening for Christine right now. I do want to reemphasize, Christine, you do take international clients, correct? I do, yes. Okay. And there, there are ways to find arrangements, you know, time zone wise. I had once a client I was working with in the United States. She got up at 6 a.m. just to work with me. And we worked, you know, sometimes she was still in bed <laughs> with her screen and in her, her pajamas. And it was so lovely. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> it worked. Breakfast. <laughs> Um, so, so as a final thing, we've talked, we've told people to go to happinesscoding.com. If they sign up for, if they subscribe or sign up for your email list, they can get the affirmation book we've been talking about for free. Um, yes. What's your email address? Christine at happiness, uh, happinesscoding.com. Okay. Christine mm -hmm. at happinesscoding.com. It's like, how do you say those tongue twisters? Is tongue that, twisters. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Christine at happinesscoding.com. I need to train this. There you go. All right. Uh, with that, next week, uh, we've, we're going to think of this as a three-part series. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, our approach to various things and getting aging gracefully. Um, I can't even say it without tripping on it. Aging gracefully, not. And then today we talked about resilience. Next week, we're going to talk about uh, how to laugh at yourself, how to take yourself, oh, how, you take, how to take yourself with levity uh, and what that will mean to your own peace of mind and approach mm. to life. Wonderful. Love so this. with that, again, Christine, thank you for finally coming on the show. Yes, uh, it's, thank been, you. it's been wonderful. Thank you for begging. For the, for the rest of you, uh, <laughs> thank you. Be well, be happy, be healthy, live with ease and resilience. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, We'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>